This audio was recorded during a one-day workshop titled Pursuing a Mission Lifestyle Through Gospel Communities. Yeah, so, yeah, very happy to take any questions that people might have. Yeah. So we we plant. Oh, sorry. So the question was, how big is a small gospel community? We um we when we plant them, we don't like them to be uh, any bigger than about fifteen adults and maybe up to that many kids as well. So um so that's roughly the size that we're looking at, uh, and then they start growing and. Um, the, the largest one that we had last year, so we've just gone through the, the stage of planting another one this year because they were all just getting way too big. Um, and the one that was the biggest last year was actually, um, I think, starting to push about 20 adults. And there was about 10 kids. So, yeah, if you can imagine that's like a small church plant trying to fit into someone's house. That, that was really... And, and the thing is, once you start to get to that size, you can see it stops... We were starting to notice it was starting to lose the, um, the life-sharing ability. So that's, that's kind of when you know it's time to multiply. But you start to go, actually, this is just starting to feel like a little church plant again and, and there's, you know, it's getting too hard for everyone to know each other. Um, it's been an interesting thing, the size thing, because we've kind of wrestled with, well, do you then make them smaller than that? But the problem is if you go too small... Um, all it takes is for one family to be away on holidays or snowed under with work or whatever um, and then you don't have enough people to keep things ticking over. So, you know, you might have a family that goes off for a month around Australia and then suddenly you're left with just two couples and it's kind of hard to keep all of the things going. So, we've worked out that if you start at around 15 and kind of grow them up uh, from there and then once it starts to feel a bit too big, that's when you kind of look at planting a new one. Yeah. Yeah. When you embarked on this path, was it a fork in the road or a gradual curve? And if a fork in the road, how many people chose the other fork? The other fork, yeah. So it was interesting for us. Um, oh, sorry, the question was um, can you hear me? If I'm, I'm, I realise actually half the time I'm holding that over there. So can you hear me? Yeah, I'll just put it down because it's sort of just becoming a gesturing implement. <laughs> <laughs> can tell I don't normally use one of those. Yeah, so what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the question was, when we went down this path, was it uh, a fork in the road or a gradual curve? Um, uh, maybe a um, maybe a more of a sharp angle, I think. And the reason is, um, I'm coming from a fairly unique uh, situation where. When Summerlees started, we, it started as a church plant from Kingston Reformed Church in, in Hobart. That's the biggest um, Christian Reformed Church in Tasmania. And there was this new area of Kingston opening up, a lot of subdivisions, a lot of young families moving in. Um, they, they were starting to get pretty full. They said, right, we want to do a church plant. They had a whole team of, of people that were up for that and they wanted to do something different, but they just didn't know what. And so they were looking around for someone that could come in and go, well, yeah, let's try this. And that someone happened to be me. So I came in with kind of a blank slate in some ways. Um, I say in some ways because um, everyone that was part of that initial team had their own experiences of church and ideas about what church should be like. So it's not like... 
Um, I've heard of some people plant churches like this where they spend a long time before the church plant getting everyone ready. And so when they plant, everyone's on the same page and they hit the ground running and, and they go in that direction. So we kind of had that, but I actually had to spend a lot of time um, uh, teaching, explaining the theology behind it and, and creating a culture where we could get to this. So actually it really has taken, um, I think, about five years to get us actually functioning this way. Um, and we've sort of just been gradually changing the culture. Each year we've sort of added a different element. So when it started, people only knew the standard small group type thing. And so then um, the next year I think we um, introduced just the idea that we wanted it to be more than that and just taught him some of the theology as to why we wanted to do it. Uh, the year after that we started to go, OK, what we want is for you now to start meeting at different times and including kids. So that was the next step. The year after that was the um, introducing the mission thing and that's where we started just really with the, um, the big things. So I'm just going, look, don't panic too much about the week in, week out. Just try and do a few things this year as a community that is mission orientated. That was the next thing. Um, the year, this year, uh, sorry, the year after that we started with the, um, the introducing God type courses. And, um, and I think we're still going. I think that next year we kind of want to get more kind of one to one type stuff happening, so that'll probably be the next step. But, yeah, so it's kind of, yeah, um, I suppose it's more like a curve, isn't it? Did you take everyone with you? Not everyone, no. So we have lost, let me just think, there's probably been, I think over the whole time, four families from that original crew that have left because they've gone, actually, this just isn't for us and we're not up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we started... With that, yeah, probably, if we took out of the original, if we just started the original crew, maybe, yeah, maybe close to, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only reason it doesn't feel like that's because obviously we've gained a lot more, so it feels small. And that's been quite gradual, so... We've had one um, just leave recently this year. That have just kind of, they've been giving it a go, um, but just have gone, actually, at the end of the day. It's just not for us. Yeah. And that's OK. Like we're blessed in, in Kingston, we've got lots of good churches that teach the Bible and they've gone to another good church and they do things differently. Um, but that's just suited them better. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, how do you how do you grow the relationships and maintain um, them between gospel communities? As a, as a big whole church type thing. Yep. And do we do mission together as a big whole church? Um, yeah, we do. Yeah. So we, um, I guess we, what we've found is that um, a couple of things happen. So we, we still meet. Everyone comes together every Sunday for what looks like any kind of contemporary evangelical church planty sort of service. So that just looks the same. Um, so everyone's together there. And we've found that, um, that people still relate much the way they do, I, I would expect, at any of your churches as well. So it's not like people have just retreated and, and got all cliquey in their gospel communities. In fact, if anything, I think the opposite happens... Um, and that's because we, because we work so hard at making gospel communities diverse, um, it's very hard for them to be cliques. So um, 
people don't find their gospel community. Like I think I think a lot of people genuinely find gospel community to be quite hard work because um, I remember, oh, sorry, a church I was in previously. Um, we, we just sort of had groups for anyone and everyone. So we had a young mums group and we had a student group and we had um, kids group for just about every age. Uh, we had a men's group. We had a, um, a 20s and 30s group. We had just so many groups. Um, and that, they, were, they were quite easy groups to be a part of because you'd go and everyone was in your life stage similar to you, whereas a gospel community is quite different. It's not like that. Um, it's, a, it's a mixture. So... I think there is people struggling to like people and, and, and be with people and love one another uh, that are outside of their normal sort of social or life stage circle. So I think often when people come together on a Sunday, um, people are quite happy to, to mingle because that's a chance to actually, you know, for all the mums to catch up, for example, or for blokes to hang out or, or whatever. So in, in some ways that hasn't been an issue there. Um, there are also... Things where, um, so some projects, uh, this mainly music thing for example, that started off mainly out of one gospel community but pretty quickly they went actually this is just getting too big for us to do on our own so that's been opened up now and and that's something that people from lots of different gospel communities help with. So that would be an example of doing that. We do do some Sunday things all together. we do have a things like there's a, a women's prayer retreat once a year and that's open to all Somalese women. Um, we have a men's camp once a year that's open to all Somalese men. So there are things that we do yeah, as a whole church as well. But we just try not to um, clutter things too much so that people still... Yeah, that first issue I was talking about, people still have the time and the focus energy left to really work hard at the gospel community stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How do you establish your Yep, so how do we, how do we um, establish gospel communities? Yeah, uh, so that's, um, that's done at an eldership level. So when we start one, uh, we as elders, uh, and we do, we do, we do uh, consult, so it's not just we just lock ourselves away at a retreat and you know, move everyone around. Like we, we certainly um, consult with people when we take very seriously where people are at and what people's needs are. But um, we as elders uh, ultimately are responsible for the formation of gospel communities initially uh, and we do that um, primarily along two lines. The first line is the leadership thing. Um, so you know, I mentioned before we, we have at least four leaders in each one and we think that's so important that that will be the first consideration. And then the second thing after that is diversity as much as is possible so we try to make them diverse. Um, then, as they grow, if a, um, if a person gets converted through a gospel community, they, they stay with that gospel community until it needs to multiply. Um, and if we get transfer growth, so let's just say um, one of you guys moves to Hobart and want to come and join some of these, um, again, the elders will then uh, go, OK, well, we've got this person. Um, have they got any really specific needs that a certain community can care for that would make that call for us? If the answer to that, no, then we look again at diversity and go, well this one could really do with another family with kids, so that's where they'd go. Or this one could really do with um, a student, and we have a student now, so they'll go there. Yeah. So it is, it is quite... Um, it's certainly not the sort of the model where you just go, right, who wants to do Tuesday night, sign up. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, just wondering where people live. Has the gospel community been established in different communities? 
Yeah, um, yeah, that's a really good question. So, does does where people live uh, impact where um, which gospel community they go into? I don't actually need to look at that when I say it. Do I? Okay, like to That that probably would come third in those considerations. We would love that to be higher up the list, but what we've found is that the first two are, um, are so important, and just because of our size, we don't have enough. Um, people always that we've got enough leaders in each sort of suburb in, and, and enough diversity in each suburb to, to do that. The thing we've got going in our favour, and this, this might be where, um, you know, in a Melbourne context, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's like um, in your churches. I know when I was living in Sydney, um, the church I was in there, we had some people that were driving up to an hour uh, one way to get to... Um, church, so I don't know if that's a big city culture thing or whether that's just an issue here. Um, that, that might be something that you need to think through more than we do. In our, in our context, there's uh, maybe, I'm just trying to think, Kingston, Blackman's Bay, Margo, Snug, Lizzie Bar. We're, we're probably mainly operating in five suburbs, some of these covers, um, and their furthest would be 15 minutes away. So for us, it's not as an urgent thing because people can pretty much get to any one of those suburbs as well. That's, that's, a, that's a thing that we've got going for our advantage, I suppose. Although having said that, for a Tasmanian, 15 minutes feels like a very long way away indeed. Um, it was really funny when we moved back from Sydney and then within six months we were thinking exactly the same thing, so that's strange. Yeah, yeah. But we have found, we, we do have some, so I'll just on that, we do have some that do have a number of families that do live in the same suburb and that has been incredibly helpful. We've got one, we've got one that actually, oh, actually we don't need more, but last year we had one and there are two families living in the same street even and that was just marvellous. You know. So it does help. Yeah. There is much room for Sunday morning only Christian. No. Yep. This may be a review on Alan's question. Not coming up from this angle. Is that a struggle? Uh, do you have people who want to kind of line up as a Sunday morning only, but the other stuff goes? I mean, how practically do you handle that? Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a tricky one. Um, so everyone at Summer Leaves is in a gospel community. Um, but, and, and, that's, and that's part of joining. So when, when people say, I want to I want to be part of some of these, I'll actually sit down and, and say to them, look, that's great. Um, let me explain to you how church works. Um, this is how it works. Now, we know that's not for everyone and, and, you, and you probably want to think carefully about how, about whether you, in the end, do decide for us. Um, you want to come to us. Um, and the reason for that is that just in terms of how pastoral care works, how your kids are going to get looked after and all the rest of it, if you're not in one of these gospel communities, I and mean, of course you can still rock up on a Sunday, that's fine, but you, um, chances are you won't feel all that connected and, and, and won't get looked after in the way that you, you would hope to and the church should look after you. Um, now, everyone I've met up with uh, at the end of that is, um, I've never had anyone go, no, I think kind of by the time they've sort of got to that stage, they've pretty much figured it out because it's obviously talked about a lot in their Sunday gatherings. Um, but we do have some people that, uh, uh, whilst they're in a gospel community, they're not as connected um, and, and might be quite irregular. Um, we've got one couple at the moment that are very irregular. 
um, which has been a challenge. However, um, the, again, where it's been good is that they, they know and there's an expectation that there's a small community in the church that considers them as part of their community and that's sort of looking out for them and that actually has them very firmly in their sights in terms of wanting to try and draw them in closer. Now, that can be a slow, slow process and people move at different rates and, and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, but, but you're, you're, you're right, that can, be, that can be a challenging thing. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I think... I think I know at least one, maybe one couple that, that kind of left because... Um, they really, all they wanted was to rock up on a Sunday and for that to be it. Um, and I'm not quite sure what to, what to think of this, but um, in some ways I wonder whether even it, it was helpful in that this made that such an issue for them that they actually had to then go, well, hang on, um, I don't want that, and at least put themselves in that basket and ask the question about where they're at as well. I don't know, I'm still trying to think that through, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely been one couple I think that's left because they felt. We don't actually try to make, I don't think anyone ever, ever from the front tries to make people feel uncomfortable or pressured to do anything, um, but I think just by nature that you're part of a community and everyone else is doing this stuff, if you're not, then you, you probably do notice it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think. There and then, yeah, good, yeah. I think what I have was just a couple of questions. Yep. Um, first one's quick. Yep. Do the gospel communities ever worship together in a, in a Sunday type worship? Or is it your, your Sunday is everyone together? So do you mean do they ever meet just on a Sunday, you just meet with your gospel community? Yeah. Uh, no. No, no. We always Sunday mornings. We always have that main um, Bible teaching sermon. Part of the reason for that is that um, what we realised. Sorry, the question was: Do the gospel communities ever do the Sunday morning kind of worship service type thing? Um, uh, I'm looking at it again. <laughs> Pay attention. Um, uh, um, yeah, part of the reason for that is what we kind of noticed with a lot of. Um, house churchy type things. So one of the, I guess one of the big benefits of the gospel community model is that you, you're kind of harnessing a lot of the benefits of a house church, really. So I, I spent a lot of time looking at house churches and uh, what are the really good things about them, but what are the really hard things about them. One of the really hard things about them is that it's very hard to multiply the kind of leaders that you need to run a church when you're just going to have really small churches because quite quickly... The, the church gets too big to stay in a house, so you need someone else. But if you've only got one person that's got the kind of theological training and is able to do Bible teaching at a certain standard, then you've got a big problem there, don't you? Because you actually don't, it's hard to come by lots and lots of people that can do that. You might be lucky enough to have a couple, um, but you're going to very quickly run out of them. Um, you're never going to have a budget to be able to afford a full-time minister for each of them. Um, and so I kind of had to make, we had, we had to make the sort of decision and go, well, actually, what, what level of Bible teaching do we expect in the gospel community? Um, because the higher a level that we expect there, um, the more time the leader is going to have to spend on that, which then means the less time they've got to spend on mobilising people in mission, pastoral care, um, looking after the young people, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, so we, what we thought was, well, no, we're, we're happy to have pretty much the standard kind of growth group level of Bible teaching in the gospel community, but that means that we need to make sure they all come together to make sure they all benefit from uh, the resource that is me, you know, that they all thrown together to employ to deliver that level of Bible teaching. Does that make sense? So, so we, we do have that as a very high priority because we go, well, that's the place where you're going to get your main biblical diet for the week. Yeah. Um, and that'll get supplemented and added to throughout the week, but that's where that main kind of feeding thing happens, I guess. So, so yeah, so for that reason, um, Sunday mornings we try to really encourage everyone to, to be there. So, sometimes um, gospel communities might have a weekend away, um, in, in which case they might miss a Sunday, but that would be like a once-off. That wouldn't be a, um, a thing that we'd regularly encourage. Yeah. And the transition from you believers moving from smaller gospel communities into realising the bigger church yep. and embracing Sunday worship with all of these new people, that's been fairly easy. Yeah, it's, it's, so the question is, uh, what's the transition like from... Uh, a new believer from just the gospel community experience to the broader church community experience. Uh, yeah, it has, it has been easy. Um, and I think that's because by the time they get around to coming on Sunday, they already know, they're, they're, they're a part of the crew, do you know what I mean? Like they rock up and um, there's lots of people they know already, they know lots of kids. Um, a, lot of them, a lot of them will even kind of come along, they'll kind of get a sniff that we all get together on Sundays and we'll come along before they're Christians anyway, and, and so that, that has been a very easy transition. And I think, I think easier, again, just because they're feeling much more comfortable because they know lots of people. They're not just coming in with their one friend into a sea of unfamiliar faces. Um, they're coming in and they know 15, 16, 17, 18, up to 20 other people. You, know, you can imagine that if you walked into this building and you already knew 20 people, well, you'd feel pretty well at home, you know. Yeah. You might think it's a bit weird or sitting down and listening to a geezer like me, but, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, you mentioned all your members are in it, they come for membership. What about adherence? Um, yeah, so same with adherence as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's it's kind of a part I guess we've kind of worked that into part of our membership um, our membership process as well. So um, in the, the Christian Reformed Churches of Australia, for someone to become a communicate member session has to uh, satisfy itself with regard to their life and doctrine. Um, so in terms of the life bit, the way that we work that out as a session is has someone come in and been in a gospel community and actively involved for about six months, we normally have it. And by that stage we can tell because you know, they've been sharing life with people, we actually have a really good idea as to whether are they really converted or are they just saying they are? Do they actually really love the saints? Do they contribute? Do they care about God's mission and at that point, we can then go. Um, would you like to take the next step into, into full membership? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's great. Oh, yeah. um, you restructure your groups, and periodically, periodically when there's a need, you know, get that once a year. Yeah. So when do we, when do we restructure them? Um, there's only two reasons we generally restructure. Um, the first is for the sake of growth. So as I, as I sort of said before, eventually they, you know, and God willing this will continue to happen, they get too big, um, so we need to plant a new one. Um, so that's the first reason. The second reason, this has only happened once, is um, if uh, something happens that means that um, it's, the gospel community is going to struggle to keep functioning effectively. So what happened once, uh, we had 
some leaders in one gospel community that just went through some really awful personal stuff and just were no longer able to continue in leadership. And that just meant that it didn't have the kind of leadership to keep going. So in that situation, we went, OK, well, let's, let's um, close that gospel community down. People can join other ones and, and we moved on like that. So they're really the only two reasons we do it. Um, and the reason we do that is just because, uh, as, as you can gather, like if you really want to get people sharing their lives with each other, that takes time to develop those relationships. So if you're chopping and changing them all the time, it's, it's too hard to really get the, the kind of life-sharing thing going on. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, back there. Um, I think you're saying you can meet in each other's houses. Yeah. So it's probably on a rotating basis. Yep. Does that mean that... You're nearly all from the same
Yeah, again, you can do that in a flat. Um, so once, once you get out of thinking um, that it's just gospel community is everyone together all the time and more like the family idea, like in my family, that might just be me and my brother, well, you can do that in your flat, you can do that in a big house, it doesn't, doesn't matter as much. So um, I, think that, I think that helps with that. And then, and then added to that is that there's some things that we do that isn't at anyone's house. So, you know, if you're, if you're going to go and help out at something in the community, well, that's, that's no one's house, you're actually going on to uh, the community's territory there as well. So I think, I think because of that, that hasn't been such an issue. Yeah. Yeah. How does your structure look, say, over a month, sort of for your normal groups, including yep. your altogether yep. uh, Sunday morning? Just high level, sort of. What is it? What would it look like for yeah the average gospel group over a period of a week or a month? Yeah, over a month. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So the the question is, what does it look like over a month? Um, there, I have, um, Brandon, did we, did we, are we going to make that available, that, that big document that I sent yeah, through? Yeah, yeah. Put it up on our website. Okay, yeah, so I sent through, um, I mean, it was, it was way too overwhelming to include in a thing like... Um, this. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of pages. But there is a document that um, it's still a, you'll have to bear with, it's still a draft, because so it still needs um, a bit of proofreading and style work and all the rest of it. But um, it's, a, uh, it's a document that kind of outlines in detail a lot of the stuff we do. And on there, there's actually a, um, a calendar um, that, that's an example of my gospel community, actually what that looks like. Um, so, um, what, but, but to give you a nutshell, so what we do, we, we get everyone together. We try to do this at least once every two months. Some gospel communities will do it with more in advance, so ours does it quite a few months where um, we get together, we get out our calendars and we kind of plan in some of the big stuff. So that would be things like um, Bible studies. So we'd, we'd want to do at least uh, two um, adult-orientated, more like a growth group type Bible study things a month. Um, at least once a month we would want everyone to get together uh, for a whole family meal, so that's kids right through... Uh, and that would be a thing that would be open to non-Christians. Often non-Christians would come to those, like it's a very easy front door. Um, a lot of non-Christian spouses, for example, will come to those sorts of things. Um, we'd want at least once a month to do the, the whole family learning thing, so that's just to try and um, get adults meaningfully teaching um, kids and, and, and building that relationship in a potential way that's sort of uh, structured around God's Word. Um, so they would be all scheduled in. Then... Um, some months would have a mission event. So just last month, for example, our community went and did that thing at the International Student Ministry that I talked about before. Um, at the moment, uh, three of the gospel communities are also got um, Introducing God courses running. Now, not everyone in um, the gospel community will necessarily be at that. So, you might, depending on the non-Christians that are coming. But we would encourage, as I said before, at least some of the people that perhaps haven't done it before to get along and be a part of that team. But not everyone would be there um, at those. Uh, what else happens? Oh, um, one thing that we've started this year is to, because uh, we're starting to get some teenagers now, and um, so what what we found was a lot of people in our gospel communities were struggling to know how to um, mentor and, and get alongside the, the teenagers that they've got or the kids that are sort of at, at late primary school years. So what I do is um, once a month in my home, 
Um, I have a thing called Gospel Community Youth Opportunities, or GC Youth Ops for short. Um, and, and what that is, that's an opportunity for um, someone to encourage different people from the Gospel Community each time to take the kids that are of that age group from their Gospel Community. They come around to my place with everyone else um, doing the same thing from, from their Gospel Communities, which is kind of nice. It gives the, often there'll be a kid, you know, kids don't necessarily have a lot of peers in their Gospel Community, so... Um, uh, there's a couple where you know they might be the only grade six or grade seven. So this way, they get to spend a bit of time hanging out with the other kids of that age group in my home, and then we break them up to do Bible study with the people that came with them from their gospel community. If that makes sense, that's how I've started to try and pick away at that. Uh, so that would happen once a month as well. Um, I think that'd probably be the. Big, oh, our, our gospel community had a, like, and this was this we only did this once a year. Oh, we did it this year. Um, was a weekend away that happened uh, for us last month as well, but that wouldn't be an every month thing. Um, and then inside of that, we would want to try and encourage people to be involved in each other's lives in in lots of sort of informal ways too. So whether that be babysitting one another's kids or helping out with whatever or. Um, you know, meeting each other's friends. Um, the, the women in our gospel community have a, a sort of a craft night that they run um, quite regularly where they invite their non-Christian friends to come along and sit around and um, we've got some avid knitters and sewers and stuff so they sit around and do that and get to know each other's non-Christian friends that way. So, But again, that's not something that we'd formally plan. It's something that they just go, oh, should we do that again this month? Yeah, let's do it and they organise that. Yeah. Um, yes? I've uh, read that uh, Christianity took off in Korea but not in Japan because it resonated with Korean culture but it didn't resonate with Japanese culture. Well, wow. that's, if that's the case and if our culture is not into sharing, why would we expect such a model to resonate with the culture? Why would we expect such a model to prosper rather than just being a Yes. So the question is, um, why would we expect this sort of thing to work in our culture when um, our culture isn't into sharing life together and, and, and this kind of community style of living? Um, I, um, yeah, I guess the, the answer is, humanly speaking, you wouldn't expect it to work um, because. Uh, yeah, we're all sinners and there's, there's different areas. Um, I guess each culture has its areas that uh, it, it works well with Christianity in and, and doesn't. So if I use my, um, my uh, Libyan friend, I think for them they've got an advantage in this area of the Christian life, but perhaps when it comes to attitudes towards women, for example, there may be a little bit of a disadvantage culturally. I don't know. But, so, yeah, you can look at each culture and go, well, there's certain things about each culture that actually resonate quite well with the life that, that the New Testament calls us to live. And then there's also the bound to be, because we're all sinful, um, things in each culture that doesn't resonate well. Um, and the only reason I think that we can expect the things to work that don't resonate well with our culture is just through the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit working in Jesus' people to call them to repentance and, um, and, and even repentance of culture where need be. Um, so that's the only reason you'd expect it to work. Um, 
uh, and, and I do think it's a hard area for modern Westerners to, to grow in often. Um, but I think if you have a sort of an attitude of cultural change, or if, if, I, think, I think actually it's a helpful place to start, because if you have a good attitude to cultural change, it kind of gives you the tools to, to go about seeing transformation take place, because cultures do take time um, and incremental steps to change, generally speaking. I remember I, um, in my first year at Bible College I had a missions lecturer, and he, uh, he spent 11 years over in Pakistan, and he was saying it was really interesting watching the various missionaries um, approach missionary work in Pakistan. So you'd have some people that would come in and they wouldn't um, adapt to the culture at all. They, they wouldn't learn the language. They lived in massive mansions, Western-style houses. Um, they would have locals lined up at the fences, literally drooling over the food they were feeding their dog. Um, and they, they weren't going to change anything about anything. Then they had the people that, um, that came from this sort of really incarnational mission movement, which is where you basically, you come in as a Westerner, you just live in a, a Pakistani house, you wear Pakistani clothes, you speak Urdu, you change everything and you live exactly like a Pakistani person. Um, and he said neither of those worked very well. The first one didn't work very well because you never related to the people that you were trying to reach. The second one, um, those missionaries generally lasted a year if that, before they had nervous breakdowns or suffered depression or burnt out and then they had to go home. He said the ones that, that were there for 11 years or longer and you know, were the people that came and went, OK, this is going to be a big time of cultural transformation for me and they start off, not, not extravagantly, but they still live a Western life, but they start to learn the language and they start to eat the food and gradually, step by step, over time, they get closer to the target culture that they're, they're trying to reach. And I think that's a really helpful way for us to think about this when it comes to um, embracing parts of, of the Christian life that perhaps um, are hard for us culturally. Um, having that kind of step-by-step step, trying to think through, well, what's the next step? How do we grow in this a bit more? How do we change the way we live a bit more uh, to bring it in line with the, the way Jesus wants for his people? I think that's actually a really helpful way to think about it. Um, I've seen some people kind of want to go after this stuff and they just go back to church and they bring all this stuff and bang, want people to go from zero to a hundred in a week, um, which generally doesn't work very well. They, they normally end up burnt out and the rest of the church gets um, quite angry and, uh, and, and it, it all ends in a mess and then people never want to try anything new again because that was a disaster. Um, but I don't think not changing is an option either um, because as we started with, I think... There's plenty of, of biblical call. We saw it in the Psalms, it's there in the Westminster Confession, it's there in the line, it's all through the New Testament. Uh, we are called um, to, to live together um, and love one another the way that Jesus loved us and, and, and all the one another verses in the New Testament. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not really up for negotiation as far as God is concerned. We need to do something about it. We need to move in that direction somehow. Now, you don't have to do it the way that we're doing in some of these, but we do need to repent of our individualistic materialistic, self-centred culture at some point, even if it's hard and the power of the Holy Spirit gives us the hope that we can do it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, the structure of the project you just described, to what degree has it led to um, in between all those times the gospel communities 
doing those one another's spontaneously and really sharing struggles and those sorts of things. I get that. I'm assuming that's the aim of that's the aim, yeah. Aim, you know, combining all these people. Yep. But the structures themselves would still be possible to do all those things, but but not actually get around to doing it. Well, yeah. not get around to the apart apart from those. Types. Yeah. It's all those the five other nights of the week. Yep. Living in your home and just doing your thing and I. Yep. Wednesday night is family and everything. Yep. Yep. You don't really know where I'm struggling. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So the question is, you know, we can program all these things in, but to what extent does that actually foster real life sharing in between all the events? Yeah, look, I mean, that's a struggle, and and I guess it's different for every person. So some people take to it really quickly um, and others uh, take a while. Um, But I I definitely think we're seeing progress. So, like, I still think we've got a long way to go. And you're right, there are some people that, um, that, you know, it's amazing that the minute you put things into a calendar, it just, the the sort of desire to program things just becomes overwhelming and, um, and, and pretty soon it does just become another program of, oh, I'll do that then, I'll do that then, I'll do that then. And so, yeah, that, that is a struggle that we've got to continually keep wrestling with. Um, but I think we are seeing it. And I think um, particularly uh, where I've been encouraged is um, with a lot of the, uh, I suppose, pastoral care type issues and things like that where we're actually seeing that people are now going to one another instead of feeling like, oh, I've got this issue, I have to get the professional pastor to come and sort that out for me. Um, people are looking to one another for that kind of thing a lot more, which is really good. I mean, I, I still do um, help out with people outside of my gospel community, but it's generally only with really big stuff. So if, if a marriage is sort of about to break up or someone dies or something, then often I'll get involved at that level. But even then, it's, it's normally been well on the way to being dealt with within the, the community Anyway, which is, I think, been quite encouraging. Yeah. So, um, look, I think it's, I think it's getting there. I mean, yeah. So it's always, it's always different depending on the, the person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where do we go? Um, yeah. Okay. yeah. How, how do you connect um, spiritual community with spiritual Yep. Um, yeah, so that's um, so. The question is, how do if you've got members of gospel communities that are then involved in, in other community um, groups or uh, um, hobbies or anything like that? I suppose is that right? And how, how how does that get connected to gospel community? Yeah, I mean the vision is we want it to be very much connected to the gospel community. So um, we we certainly want to be praying for people in those situations. Um, we also want to be really encouraging people in those situations to think about how do they take the people that they're um, getting to know and care for and love in those circumstances and to connect them to the gospel community a bit so that we can actually show something of Christian community to those people too. Um, and uh, we really, what we, what we often try to do is actually see whether um, 
we can use some of those connections to help us um, as a whole gospel community with some of those big type things that I was describing earlier. Um, so, uh, for example, um, we had uh, well, the community garden example was a good one where um, there was a working bee there and so the, the, the person went, oh, look, you know, the, the garden needs help for this um, and we could marshal the whole hospital community to go along and, and, and help out and actually come in and, you know, the gardeners were wrapped because like, well, actually, you know, um, and I reckon there'd be all sorts of groups like land care groups, rotary groups, all sorts of things, scout groups, school fairs, all the rest of it. Um, we'd love to see people growing that more and more, actually just going, well, you know, there's these things, here's a great chance to take, you know, my church to um, the outside of church thing that I do, yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of thinking that we really want to foster. Yeah. Uh, so was it? Yeah, was it? I mean, whether you have formal or informal things in place for developing the leads, like how you set up that better on that person, yep. this is what we want to see then for Yes, yeah, yeah. So how do we how do we develop leaders? Yeah. Um, so what um, what we do is we um, once every two months I'll meet with each gospel community leadership team, um, and that's normally about a two hour meeting. So I'll kind of meet up with them, do a bit of training, um, and then talk through. I've got a sort of a big kind of agenda of all the different elements of gospel community life that we'll talk through. Uh, if they've got struggles, they'll yeah, and if I can help them, sometimes I can't, sometimes they help me. Um, yeah, we have that kind of conversation, um, do, do all that kind of thing, so that's, that's one thing. Uh, then uh, on the month, so let's just say I meet with, with Gospel Community Leadership Team 1 in February. Um, in March, I would meet with the, the, what we call the vision leader, who's sort of the main contact point between the um, Gospel Community and the eldership. I'd meet up with him um, in the other month, so I'm kind of getting a kind of monthly check-in point, I suppose, with, with each gospel community. So that's how we kind of um, do that. Then um, we encourage all of our GC leaders to be constantly asking that question, who is the next leaders that we've got here? It's one, it's what I'm saying to Brandon actually in the current way here, it's one of the things that I've um, appreciated about this model, although it's been very hard work, but it just it constantly forces you to be on the front foot in, front, in terms of raising up leadership because um, you know, if you need four leaders every time you plant a new one, obviously you're just constantly needing leaders to be raised up. You know? um, so uh, we're constantly asking the team, um, you know, who are the people that you've got that um, could be potential leaders in the future? What, what, what's the next step for them? Is it, do they need to meet one-to-one with someone for a bit? Do we need to get them along to the team meetings? You know? is, is that the way forward? And, and get them to kind of hear the way we talk and what we're talking about and give them some responsibilities and, um, and that's kind of how we do it. Yeah. So it'll differ from person to person um, where they're at. Like sometimes you'll get... Uh, we had a couple move um, from Queensland... Um, two years ago, and we sort of gave him a year to settle in, but I mean, yeah, he was an elder in a Presbyterian church up there, he could preach, head screwed on really well, it just, it, all it took was a, a year for them settling in, getting a feel for how it all worked, and, and bang, he was pretty much ready to rock and roll, whereas someone else might need quite a lot of one-to-one sort of input or training or whatever for them to, to get ready, so it really depends on the person, but, but we are very proactive about looking for new leaders all the time, yeah. And just on that, where do the elders fit into the growth group? Yeah, um, so pretty much all our elders will be on a... Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Forgetting about 
friend down here. Sorry. Um, yeah, uh, so where do elders fit into gospel communities? Um, so every, every elder is a gospel community leader of some sort um, and they're normally... Um, in fact, they, in fact, they always have that actually, and I think about it, vision leaders of the gospel community, so that, which makes sense. Um, although we do have, obviously, lots of gospel community leaders that aren't elders. Um, but they, um, our gospel community leaders, uh, we give them um, a lot of pastoral responsibility, but it's very much overseen by our session. Um, and... Um, and I guess sort of the direction of the church, uh, overseeing uh, the teaching that happens in gospel communities, um, the formation of gospel communities, uh, that all gets overseen at the, at the session level. Um, and I think in many ways that's one of the things that kind of keeps, um, keeps them all together in a way and stops them from just sort of totally breaking off to be their own thing. I think just that kind of understanding that actually each gospel community is sitting under a sort of a united session that's most of the gospel communities up until now um, at least, yeah, I think, I think most this year we've got one gospel community that doesn't have an elder in it just because we're kind of getting more GCs than we can keep up with the elders. Um, but most would have an elder in them, which is really good. Um, and... Uh, and we try to keep the communication going quite well. So I'm on the main kind of contact point from each GC back to session. Um, but we'll have a bit on our session agenda as well about what are the key things that need to go out to gospel community leaders as a result of this meeting to make sure the contact stays fresh and the communication stays up to date. Yeah. That's all right. Um, yes, so are all the leaders men, and if so, do we run out of um, men? Uh, yes, so no, not all the leaders are men. Um, and we, um, I mean, we're just, just to kind of, I suppose, nail our colours to the mast, I'm not quite sure where, where you guys are denominationally or even within your denomination, how much of a discussion this is. Uh, but we, we um, have a sort of a complementarian view of, of men and women in ministry. So we do believe that there are certain roles that God uh, holds men um, particularly responsible for and wants men to take particular initiative in. Um, so that would be eldership um, and in the uh, preaching. That's something that in our church that's um, uh, a job that, that men do. Um, and uh, the vision leader, I was talking to Brandon about this in the car, although we haven't officially stated this, I think, I think we're pretty much at the point where we'd go, that vision leader role, which is, which is kind of really the oversight of the whole community. Um, up until this point, that's been uh, a man doing that. And I think just with the way that they're sort of families, it kind of fits with the family structure um, there as well. So we would believe that within families, um, it, God holds the husband responsible for the leadership and well-being and uh, direction of the family. So um, in the same way, I think we're thinking that well, it makes sense for the gospel community family for a man to be doing that as well. Um, but for the other three roles, uh, yeah, we, we have women serving in all of those. Um, and uh, so that means that A, we haven't run out of men, um, and B, it's um, been, I think, really a positive thing. Um, I think for um, our women, because um, 
it, it means that there's sort of um, lots more sort of formal ministry opportunities open to women, um, you know, outside of just, say, kids' work or just ministering to other women, you know, there's ways to serve there. Um, and B, I think our gospel communities have just benefited enormously from that too. And the reason for that is I think a lot of our women, I don't know what it's like sort of in, in your cultures, but they're kind of the, the modern Kingborough, and I'm generalising, but in the modern Kingborough culture, um, it's generally uh, wives in the family that largely um, organise and, and I guess they're in control of the, the social life of the family, uh, the ones that kind of are responsible for when kids do stuff and, and all the rest of it. Um, and so to have them serving on those leadership teams, um, particularly in um, some of the communication, organisational sort of roles, and in them has just been an enormous blessing because I remember in the early days when we started before we had this, um, you know, the elders would come away and go, yeah, we want to have this thing and we want all the kids to be there and we want everyone to study the Bible together and we want to do it at 8 o'clock at night and there's going to be food and it's going to be awesome and then they'd go away and, and you'd just get wives going, are you guys insane? And it was a disaster. Um, but now um, that doesn't happen to us, which is really good because we've got, we've got people um, contributing in that level. Um, so that's, that's been a really, really positive thing, I think, just to kind of have um, uh, a lot of our women involved um, thinking through that side of, of things as well. It's been, been a massive blessing to us. Yeah. Yeah. So just to know, just to know, how many uh, gospel communities are there at the Five. I've got five. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah back in the corner. Do you know my uh, oh. um, Do your elders and GC leaders um, are they, have they all been involved in Christian counselling courses and um, have you experienced much in the way of um, fractions, gossipings between one group and another? Yep. So the question is, have our gospel community leaders and elders um, had much training in Christian counselling uh, and has there been um, much gossiping between one group and fractions and things like that? Uh, so the second question, no. So that's, that's been really good. That's been a blessing. Um, the first question, uh, n- not a lot. My, um, my wife, Evdoxia, is um, uh, a counsellor and she has done um, some basic training, uh, particularly on listening skills with um, our leaders but uh, on the whole, no. Um, but then we're, we're okay with um, making the most of, of other good counsellors and, um, and uh, psychologists and things like that too. Where, where we think that tends to go wrong is when people in the church just palm people off uh, without owning the responsibility for people. So that you go, oh, well, you've got depression. Well, well, I don't really want to talk about that. So we'll send you off to the psychologist down the road and you can take your problems there. Now we might go, actually we think this person needs help and in fact we've, we've had um, a number of people that have got uh, quite serious psychological problems um, and have had to get quite heavy help um, uh, including you know, visits to the psych ward and all sorts of stuff. So we, we're thankful for the, the health services we've got but what we don't want to do is just um, kind of ditch people off 
uh, to those services and forget about them because we think that it actually the solution, the, the ultimate solution is going to come from the gospel. So whilst we, we avail ourselves of, um, of, of professionals, we also want to always be making sure that we're kind of bringing the gospel word and the gospel community to people in that context and helping them to do that. So, yeah. so we're, we're, we're kind of relatively okay with using um, uh, other professionals in that area, but, but we're not okay with just kind of leaving people with that and that's it, I guess. We want to... Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. And, and always wanting to keep the, the care of the gospel community coming to bear on people, I suppose, if we do use them. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, we do. We have um, a group, we have, so we have a crèche from kids that are um, eight months old to kinder age. And then we have a, um, a, uh, a kids ministry for kids that are prep up to about nine. And then from nine and up, we actually encourage them to um, be involved in the, the whole of the gathering. Uh, so, so, the start of the, so the first half of the gathering, we, we go for about half an hour, then we stop and have a coffee break, and then um, the little ones go off to do various things, come back, have the sermon and finish. Uh, from about nine years and up, we have them in the sermon with us. Um, but I work quite hard to um, engage them. So uh, they all have a, um, uh, a sheet which um, you know, I, mean, I can kind of... Uh, I'll leave it back because I think it's my photocopy for And uh, have some there. Uh, I'll just look at the end. But I'll do, I'll do a sheet like this. Um, and then on the, um, on the certain PowerPoint, um, there'll be uh, the big idea. Uh, uh, each point will come up. And then um, important info for each point will come up on that as well. Um, there'll be things that they have to kind of draw on and all the rest of it. Um, and so, uh, and, and I, I work quite hard at making sure the language is um, easy for them to understand. And if at the end they can bring me this um, completed neatly, they get a Freddo. And sometimes it's a bonus question that won't appear on the PowerPoint, but if they can listen and they get it, then they get a minty as well. <laughs> and I haven't yet had an adult try and do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing the. Um, I've been quite amazed at how much they take in, actually. And in fact, in terms of their note taking, they put a lot of effort into the shade. Yeah. So there'll be a different one, and that'll be specifically for um, each each sermon each week. I'll get one of that. So that's kind of how we how we do it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, no, no. Um, I think it would be good to give them names, but, um, but people... So some people like the idea and some people don't. Some people think it's too daggy. But I kind of... Um, if I had it my way, I'd, I'd give them names, but at the moment they don't. Yeah. I don't know, something cool like... Um, yeah, 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 Zwingli. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. yeah something trendy like that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, did you have one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, how do you fit into your question? Do you take a vision leader role? Yeah, I'm the vision leader in mind. Yeah. Um, so I'm the vision leader in mind. I, look, it's, it is harder um, for me just because um, my life's a bit more um, uh, full ministry-wise. It means so sometimes I kind of just wish I was a, um, a member uh, because there's sort of... Um, you know, evangelistic opportunities that I'd really love to pursue or spend more time in um, or, uh, yeah, but I have to kind of, um, because I'm involved in all of the gospel communities to an extent, just sort of helping them run and overseeing and all the rest of it means I don't get to do as much in my own as I would, I'd really love to. But yeah, I, I, I fit into it. And I think, um, I think that's been important because um, it's, it's sort of to help all the other teams I kind of need to know what it's like and, and kind of go through the issues. And so I've been in about three so far and, um, uh, and that's really helped because I've experienced a lot of things that all the other ones, all the other leaders have had to go through or experience and can kind of bring that experience to bear for them. So, yeah. Um, so, you, yeah. Could you start with just one? Yeah, I think so. Sorry, so the, the uh, question is, could the model work if you start with just one? Um, yeah, I think so. And I think, I think probably, depending on how many people were keen for it in your church, it might be the best thing to do to, to run like a, a, a pilot one, just to have a crack at it, just to go, um, you know, is there a crew? Do I have four leaders that would be really up for giving this a go with me and, and a bunch of others that would like to see what it's like and just to give it a try um, and, and, and just give it, give it a crack and, and see how you find it and, and share the stories with everyone else. And um, I, I kind of wonder that if you did that, that might be one of the best ways to transition a church to this kind of thing um, because people would see it and, and actually go, oh, that's kind of what I've always hoped church would be like anyway and can I, can I join please? And pretty soon it would grow and grow and grow and you have to go, well, okay, yeah, you can join but we're going to need you to head up another one. Or, so I, I think that would probably be a, quite a good way to approach it would be just to try, try one yeah, and, and see what happens. Yeah, as I said before, it's, it's, a, cha- it's a culture changing exercise so that, that might be the, the step that you take. You might go, well, actually, instead of trying to get everybody to do it all at once. Let's, let's just try and get one going and just see what that's like and, and make sure we share all the stories and make sure people know what's happening and keep people up to date and, and then see if we can get more people involved. It might do, yeah. But I, I imagine that those that don't want to hear the stories and don't want that level of commitment would, would probably react the same even if you said, right, we're all going to do it. Perhaps, I don't know, yeah. I mean, I guess it just comes down to your people a bit and you probably just have to think that one through in terms of where your church is at. Yeah. I guess, yeah. How do you see church planting fitting in uh, to some of these situations with these possible communities? Um, as in how, how would we go about planting a church? Or, yeah. um, how would it affect the uh, gospel communities or how involved would they be? Would it be one or two or would it be several people from... 
the number of, yeah, how, how, would you, how would you go about church planting with a gospel community kind of model? Um, yeah, uh, that'd, be, that'd be interesting. I, I think you would need to, um, you would certainly need to plant with a view to, uh, yeah, it'd be the same sort of process, I suppose. Yeah, you might, you might just um, ask um, two gospel communities to be the nucleus of the new church. Um, or you might go, well, if we need to um, plant, we're going to plant a new church with gospel communities, then we're going to need diversity, we're going to need leaders, and so you would approach perhaps all of the gospel communities, the amount of leaders that you need, the amount of diversity that you need, and, and, and call on people individually to do it that way. Um, but I think, I think that's the, they're going to be the kinds of questions, I don't think it would be remarkably different to good, sustainable church planting in any other uh, under any other paradigm, because I think in any paradigm, when you're planning a new church, you're going to want to have a good leadership base, and you're going to want to have a bit of diversity as well, aren't you? So, probably the same considerations, I guess. Yeah, I think. Yeah. This audio is provided as a free ministry of the McKinnon Reformed Presbyterian Church in Melbourne, Australia. Visit our website at mckinnonrp.org. Thank you for listening.